This is Unfilter, episode 270 for February 21st, 2018. Have we ever tried to meddle in other countries' elections? Oh, probably, but uh, it was for the good of the system in order to avoid the communists from taking over. For example, in Europe, uh, uh, in 47, 48, 49, uh, the Greeks and the Italians, we... We don't do that now, though. We don't mess around other people's Coming to you from a very cold and frigid Pacific Northwest, it's time again for Unfiltered Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news. You really, come on, just just get get away from it. Shouldn't be watching it. I'm Chase. There's Chris. Hey, buddy. Chris. Yo. So we did get some messages last week after the show wondering why we didn't talk about the shooting in Florida. Oh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about well, this week. I, and I think the only reason everybody we, what everybody's like wants to talk about shit. No, 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 no. I th- <laughs> it, it was honestly because we it was just coming pieces were coming in as we went to air. Uh, and typically, we like to have things in front of us yeah. so we can play to you yeah. to do a show. So we I just wanted to address that yeah. off the top. So I think we did last week. Come on. Well, Come on. you know, but you know what? Yeah, we'll I'm get to saying. it this week too. Yeah. We'll talk about it this week. We'll yeah. also, of course. Talk about those 13 lucky Russians that got an indictment this week. Don't forget the companies, too, by the way. And we'll go into a little detail on the Internet Research Agency. That's right. A little bit about what they're about. And, of course, there's some breaking news in the whole Russia investigation today. Today. But, you know, Chase, that's not the only thing we're talking about this week. No, sir. There's many things for the Unfiltered program to cover. We'll also get into some cyber as well as a, a really packed... Like condensed, yeah. Like you could add a little water to it over time. Fair enough. You know, it's just really uh, thick. It's uh, really thick. So, you know? so, so if you what big you're, thick over time. So what you're saying is, if you got a uh, you know not enough dinner, yeah, just add a little you, extra, and you want some dessert, yeah, a really nice thick mousse. Well, yeah, I would say yeah. it's, it's like a mousse or you know like a kick in the face. Either you know, <laughs> I don't know. fair enough. Uh, all right, Chase, you you want to get started with the uh, with the cyber? Yeah, so. All right. Well, we may need some faith healers. We got we got big challenges coming towards cyber here. We got really Love big Nancy. challenges, and we're going to need some faith healers because our intelligence officials were on the hill warning that artificial cyber warfare is just around the corner. The sobering assessment came on the development and future use of artificial intelligence and how it applies in the theater of conflict. There is clearly a race for technological superiority Uh between the superpowers. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, which is really kind of where we are right now. It's more machine learning than it is artificial intelligence. We're seeing uh, Uh all of our near-peer competitors invest in these kinds of technologies because it's going to get them to decision cycles faster, allow them to digest information in greater volumes, and have a better situation understanding what's happening in the battle space. Ooh, what do you uh, think about that? When does it become aware? Because that's the day I think the machines, you know, take over. <laughs> I right? mean, insert obvious, but yet also very prescient Skynet joke here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that I, I'm just like, okay, you need an expert. When is somebody going to come back in time and help us? You need someone. You need a hero like Kevin Mandia from FireEye. Now, you, FireEye might sound familiar uh, because they're the ones that attributed the Sony attack to uh, North Korea. 
They're the ones that have been involved in some of the Russia investigation. Uh, they uh, tracked some hackers back to Ukraine recently. And their CEO, Kevin Mandia, who comes from Mandiant, Man, uh, Mandiant was one of the companies that FireEye has bought in the last six years. And uh, he says, we need to start taking the North Korea cyber threat serious. And I thought maybe you and I would just do a little analysis of, uh, of old Kevin here. Most of the 36 before 37 were China or Russia. Uh, there's one or two Iranian groups. There's the, uh, the clips, the, where I, right before the clip starts, they're noting, too, we don't hear much about uh, China or other, like Iran. It's just, it's just all Russia, Russia, Russia and North Korea these days. And they keep talking about that a little bit. But that's, that's the conversation right before the clip started. 437 were China or Russia. Uh, there's one or two Iranian groups. There's one out of Vietnam. And then we have uh, our second group out of North Korea. So what, what, what are they doing? How did you find this? And, and how concerned uh-huh. should we be? You know, you know, it's interesting. Pay attention to how he listens to her and how he just the whole thing. You should be concerned, and here's why. Basically, it's following the normal progression that we see. When you're developing offensive capability as a nation, normally you restrict your activities on government on government. So FireEye has built an an industry, really, out of uh, providing cyber expertise to the government. They they provide cyber expertise to companies, too. One of the first things that they were famous for is they created the FireEye appliance, <clears throat> which they would provide a live feed of threat intelligence to to keep networks and companies secure from the latest hacktivities. And that's really one of the areas where FireEye built a name, and then they bought up companies like Mandiant, who uh, were stocked full of uh, former military contractors and military personnel like Kev- Kevin here. And uh, Kevin is a well-trained uh, former soldier who knows just what a government needs and just the answer a government's looking for. And it's military on military. And we've seen APT 37 since 2015, but they've been operating since 2012. And they decided just recently to stop doing just military against military. And they're starting to hack the private sector. And they're also starting to hack off the Korean peninsula. So This is the big message he's here to deliver is North Korea is no longer going military to military. They're taking their Pentium 3s, their Windows Media players, <laughs> yes. and they're going after yeah private sector. They've gotten good enough that they're tier one targets. They can now operate at the scale and scope where they're beyond tier one and they're starting to hit other tangential targets. Do they do that because they lose against our military and our government computers? Uh, so they figure they'll go find other covert ways of getting around it? No, I don't think that's it. I think they were focused on... He's a pretty intense individual, isn't he? Yeah, he's very hyper-focused. So they figure they'll go find other covert ways of getting around it? No, I don't think that's it. I think they were focused on South Korea first and now they're focused on other interests besides South Korea. So I I think it's just their capability has gotten to the point where they can take on more targeting, work at a wider breadth. What, what does the U.S. government do with information like this? Can... You know, you need to be aware of it because you want to be able to defend against it. But it, it's a tough one. I mean, because of the anonymity on the Internet. He's speaking to the camera there. Isn't that interesting? Well, uh, he's he, very media savvy. Actually, not necessarily. He may be looking at a monitor. Uh, that is not because you want to be able to so monitors are near the camera. See, watch how he goes to there. Defend against it. But it, it's a tough one. I mean, because of the oh. anonymity. And now he's going to turn to the host on the Internet. And because every modern nation is following different is there rules of else engagement in, in the interview. Yeah, there's some other guy who's just sitting there not saying anything. Is he directly in the eye line? You got to be aware of the threat intelligence. You got to be aware that's that they exist. Framing, if but that's I'm not true. so sure there's risks or repercussions to what the North Koreans are doing in cyber. Well, that, so, that's what you bring up. This idea mm-hmm. that there used to be almost rules of engagement. Right. That, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. I was just going to add on the production aspect for a moment. So cameras and studios like this, you know, they have prompters behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so there mm-hmm. could be one of two reasons. Here it is. Here's a shot. Or one of one. That's of, the desk shot yeah. there. 
So, all right. So, no, he was definitely not looking at him. I don't know what that uh, other no. host is doing there. He's just in there making either. a face. So, three possibilities. One is intentional. Yeah, he's he's looking at the camera, which would be weird for a guest to do. Two, there's notes in the prompter. So, sure, like, key right, points yeah. and things right, like that. Right, yeah, yeah. Three, the prompter does have the ability within the camera. So, you know, the prompter is right in front of the lens, right? Basically, the reflection has the ability to see a re, re, uh, a return right. back shot. So I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, it's hard to it's say. It's weird. It's hard to say. But he seems very savvy, and yeah. he's very much there to say, uh, we're tracking North Korea. Yeah, like, we're keeping an eye. Yeah, keeping an eye on, on Kim. things. Well, yeah. you know, you, you got to watch out for the North Koreans and the Russians. you got to watch out for them. Yes. Uh, and I, that guy, that character there, that Kevin Mandian is a very interesting. <laughs> I feel like he's a comic book villain. He's like a movie villain where uh, I bet you he is a real ball buster behind the scenes. Like he's, uh, like like he settled a lot of sexual harassment lawsuits kind of a guy? Um, Like he kills people for fun kind of guy or oof, something like that. Oof, I don't know. Even I mean, worse. I know. He just seems like and, – and then you should you should go Google search the guy that actually owns FireEye. He also – he looks like a straight-up Bond villain. And I don't mean to be disparaging <laughs> about people's looks because – but he's got like one of those weird Bond villain hairdos. Right. And he's got like all this money that he just bankrolls things for. It's a, it's a really – that FireEye company is a really interesting organization. And they bought just a couple of real big strategic purchases and uh, position themselves with the right people like Kevin Mandian. And uh, they've been able to land some massive federal contracts. And it's not just the federal government. It's like the DNC and all the people around them and their friends. And so they're making good, good money. Um, sort of like the oligarchs that uh, run uh, Internet Research Agency. Good afternoon. A grand jury in the District of Columbia today returned an indictment presented by the special counsel's office. The indictment charges 13 Russian nationals and three Russian companies for committing federal crimes while seeking to interfere in the United States political system, including the 2016 presidential election. So we don't actually have a uh, federal law against, um, quote unquote, meddling, but we do have federal laws against Getting um, in the in the way of I can't remember the language, but it's essentially interfering with federal processes. You mean kind of like an obstruction of that process? Yeah, the, 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 the <laughs> funny enough, obstruction isn't the word. It's yeah, like know, it's right. like interference yeah. of federal. Yeah. I can't remember. It's like yeah. interference of. It might be it. Interference of interference federal. Interference of process. a federal investigation, maybe. Or something? No, no, it's not about the investigation. Oh, so this no, is about like the it. indictment against the Russians, right? And and what the indictment is is that they interfered with federal processes. Uh, that are that are critical to the function of the government and that federal process being the election. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. System, including the 2016 presidential election. The defendants allegedly conducted what they called information warfare against the United States with the stated goal of spreading distrust towards the candidates and the political system in general. According to the allegations in the indictment, Twelve of the individual defendants worked at various times for a company called Internet Research Agency, LLC, a Russian company based in St. Petersburg. The other individual defendant, Yevgeny Viktorovich Bogosin, funded the conspiracy through companies known as Concord Management and Consulting, LLC, Concord Catering, and many affiliates and subsidiaries. No. The conspiracy. Say again. Sorry. I got food from uh, the catering company. <laughs> from Concord, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, they have really good burgers. Uh, it's always, isn't it interesting? It, when, the, these generic sounding names. And how, like, whenever you start, like, peeling back the layers, yeah. 
like uh, Trump's lawyer uh, last week. Oh, that his spun LLC. Up an LLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's always. Did like, he think he went to legal zoom? And like uh, Bill Clinton, he one of the ways he takes That's money right. from the Clinton Foundation. I use a is through LLCs. I use yeah. other other yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, or catering <laughs> and many affiliates and subsidiaries. The conspiracy was part of a larger operation called Project Lockda. Project Lockda included multiple components, some involving domestic audiences within the Russian Federation and others targeting foreign audiences in multiple countries. Internet Research Agency allegedly operated through Russian shell companies. It employed hundreds of people in its online operations, ranging from creators of fictitious personas to technical and administrative support personnel with an annual budget of millions of dollars. Okay, so I've got the indictment right here. It's uh, it's um, thirty-seven pages. Uh, you're welcome. To you should have printed it two-sided, buddy. Come you're, on, man. I tried. You're welcome to finger through it. I got a little butter chicken on here because I was uh, I was reading it over lunch, um, and uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating what's in here because uh, these thirteen Russian nationalists aren't in the United States, um, and I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Bob Mueller doesn't have dick jurisdiction in Russia, so. There's not like any chance these guys are going to – unless Putin decides to send these guys over here, um, they're not going to be going to court. Well, he said St. Petersburg. It could, he could that's, be St. Petersburg, Florida, right? No, no. No. Uh, no. That's oh, – okay. yes. Uh, but that's where um, Internet Research Agency – but these nationalists right. aren't in the states. These these people, these individuals right here, these ones right here. Huh? Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not U.S. They're not no, here. They're, they're not, not here. <laughs> There's like nothing – there's like nothing. He can I mean, do. I mean, this this does happen often, where yeah. like the U.S. government, and it's not just Russian. They'll they'll name other people, oh, yeah. foreign people. Oh, this yeah. happens mm-hmm. uh, quite often. So they um, uh, so they go through and they they name all of the Russians that they're going after, and they name the companies, the ones that I just let Rosenstein list off there. Uh, I think the most interesting thing in um, this is actually a little bit of uh, some of the discussion here about identity theft that was done to defraud identity for like signing up for like advertising networks and social media profiles, which is actually kind of a – in a way, it's, it, it's, a, it's a good thing for these – like Google and Facebook because it shows that it, they weren't just using Russian names and Russian addresses. They actually were stealing some identities of people in the US. That's the most damning thing you'll see in here. Um, but uh, it, it, it's, uh, it really it, – it, it surprisingly pinned on Facebook – which I was I was pretty surprised about. It's, it's it's really about influencing public opinion and sowing discord. It unfolded on social media in the lead up to the 2016 presidential election. The goal: make posts from Russia look like they were coming from inside the U.S., targeting purple states like Colorado, Virginia, and Florida. The Russians also recruited and paid real Americans to engage in political activities, promote political campaigns and stage political rallies. The Russians created hundreds of accounts and Facebook pages on immigration, Black Lives Matter, and regions like the heart of Texas. And posing as the Tennessee GOP and Trump supporters on Twitter. Just three months ago, 26-year-old Vitaly Bespolov told NBC's Kelly Kobieya he pumped out fake articles at the Internet Research Agency, the organization named in the indictment back in 2014. Did you create fake accounts? You remember we covered this? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, so um, this Internet Research Agency is uh, really the key here. Now, they, they had about 100 employees. They had uh, a couple million dollars in budget. And um, 
I have a link in the show notes that compares that to the advertising budgets just on social media for the different presidential campaigns, all the different presidential campaigns, and all of them are like just like $25 million. Uh, so that part's kind of funny. Um, but I, I have a link in the show notes. If you just want a high level of what's in the damn indictment, um, I have a link to Vox in the show notes. Oh, they have a good breakdown? Or? Yeah. They, 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 t- they had seven different lawyers like write up their summary of what they think the indictment means. So it's a pretty good rounded opinion because you get seven different legal takes on it. So that's linked in the show notes there. Um, there's a bit of a gift to Donald Trump in here. Now, it doesn't completely um, – so there's a piece missing to this indictment. There's, a, there's, there's co-conspirators that are yet to be named, that have yet to be indicted. There's a mere indictment to this indictment. Be clear about that. Because in this indictment, they talk about co-conspirators. Now, they also talk about unwitting Americans. And that's, that's potentially a gift to the Trump campaign because the unwitting Americans is actually a legal definition, meaning that they were unaware that they were complicit in the meddling. And uh, that would get them out of certain collusion um, loopholes, you might say. Yes, he says. They did it by allegedly purchasing server space in the U.S. to establish a virtual private network or VPN. Russians then allegedly stole social security numbers and dates of birth of real Americans without their knowledge, opening PayPal accounts in their names to buy political ads on sites like Facebook. Here's another example of uh, something they did that was more in the real life. Um, In uh, August of 2016, uh, the indictees uh, used a false U.S. persona called Matt Skibler uh, and his Facebook account to recruit a real U.S. person to go out and buy signs and costumes depicting Bill Clinton in a prison uniform. So that's interesting, isn't it? Um, so that gives you kind of an idea of some of like the, some of the some of the triggers that they were pulling. Um, but they also did other things too, like um, they created gay artwork of Bernie Sanders being super muscular and encouraged people to get out the vote for Bernie. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. As you have no doubt Tucker. seen earlier today, Special Counsel Robert Mueller's investigation unveiled thirteen separate indictments against Russian citizens who allegedly tried to meddle in the 2016 election. You're going to hear a massive amount of propaganda about those indictments and what they mean in coming days. So we've looked at them carefully, and here's what seems to be true about them. The indictments describe a Russian effort to, quote, sow discord in the American political system. This effort began in 2014. That was, of course, before Donald Trump or any other candidate had declared for the presidential race. The effort didn't seem to have a particular ideological agenda. The point was to stir up trouble. During the 2016 race, these 13 Russians allegedly ran Facebook ads and tried to organize events that criticized Hillary Clinton and supported Donald Trump. But the Russians also supported some left-wingers like Bernie Sanders and Black Lives Matter. Hillary Clinton was the front-runner for most of the race, and they wanted to yank her chain, and they did. But once the election was over, the Russians immediately started organizing rallies against Donald Trump. Rallies, though, is probably an overstatement. An anti-Muslim event, for example, allegedly organized by the Russians, drew a total of four RSVPs. An anti-Hillary event in New York got just 45. The only really successful event the Russians appeared to have pulled off seems to be an anti-Trump rally in New York City after the election right outside Trump Tower. Now, all of this is annoying. Obviously, they're foreigners. 
But none of it seems momentous. Here's what's not in the indictments. Any evidence at all that any Russian behavior changed a single vote or did anything to sway the election in any direction. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein admitted as much today. Watch. There is no allegation in this indictment that any American was a knowing participant in this illegal activity. There is no allegation in the indictment that the charge conduct altered the outcome of the 2016 election. In a statement this afternoon, the White House even boasted about today's news. Quote, President Donald J. Trump has been fully briefed on this matter and is glad to see the special counsel's investigation. Now, there's other things in here, too, uh, about how they use some PayPal accounts and Social Security numbers to do different things. Um, and they, they, were, they were setting up, like, uh, Twitter accounts where they would tweet about, like, Man, I sure hate the alarm clock. Like just trying to create like 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 it's just a real person. Like, like, yeah, to make it seem like it's not a bot, just like it's random like yeah. someone taking a picture of their food kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But um let's talk about Internet Research Agency. It's this weird it's this weird um the IRA. LLC, yeah, the IRA <laughs> that is funded by this rich guy. Uh and Soros? No. Oh, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's a guy like Soros, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But a Russian. And um and <laughs> That's good because <laughs> it is a lot like that. Actually, yeah, yeah. it is kind of funny. Yeah. I hadn't thought I had not made that connection. Yeah. Um, so, gosh, they do that a lot. They they initially got their 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 uh, start to uh, help generate business conditions for this rich Russian. And that uh, that's where the Internet Research Agency started. Now, we've talked about them several times on the show. But I want to go back in time when a New York Times reporter, Adrian Chen, went and just did a great bit of research on Internet Research Agency. And here's a clip when he went on PBS to talk about the piece he had just released in the New York Times. September 11th, 2014, there's an explosion at a chemical factory in St. Mary's Parish, Louisiana. Video is soon posted on YouTube. Twitter is flooded with chatter including screenshots of news websites. Reminder, this is 2015. A local TV station, and it appears CNN's. A video surfaces of ISIS taking responsibility for the explosion, and local residents receive text messages warning them of toxic fumes in the area. Big news, except there was no explosion. The video was a fake, as were the news websites that reported it, and the footage of the Islamic State group taking credit. The social media posts were not what they seemed. As reported in a cover story in the New York Times magazine, it was all the work of the Internet Research Agency, a shadowy Russian organization based in a nondescript building in St. Petersburg. Adrian Chen wrote the story. He joins me now. Welcome to you, Adrian. This is a very bizarre tale that you've written. Tell us, what, are we, what is the Internet Research Agency? How much do we know about it? Well, we know the, the bare outlines of, of what it is and what they do. It's a uh, group in St. Petersburg, Russia, that basically hires hundreds of Russians to spread pro-Russian propaganda on the Internet. And uh, one of their tactics is to pretend to be people, um, Americans and Russians, on social media like Facebook and Twitter. And this is the world of troll, so-called trolls, and you say at an industrialized level. What explain what trolls, what trolling means? And we'll save you from that. <laughs> yeah, thank you, mm. thank you, man. Thanks yeah. for hitting eject there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he goes in there and he talks about uh, talks about their structure a little bit and about how they sell services. It's really kind of one of the things they do is they sell services, and I'll, I'll tell you more about those here in a moment. Right. Um, but I wanted it. So that was 2015. Here's Adrian Chen uh, this week. 
on uh, Chris Hayes' MSNBC show talking about Internet Research Agency with some reflection. And it turns out he's still in contact with some folks there. Off-the-record conversations with some people who have been claiming to be, still work there. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it's still going on, yeah. Do you think it's going to... I mean, I mean, it seems like in some ways it's a, a remarkably effective model um, in, in, insofar as if you just want to, like, mess with people, right? There's, like, this kind of, there's this kind of salt in the wound thing happening mm-hmm. here, right? Like, you don't... It's a lot work here. We're starting to get through a lot of layers of analogy here, Hayes. In terms of what the goals are, it's not you don't have to pull off some enormous thing. You just got to be kind of in people's consciousness enough constantly. You know, like advertising. In this sort of irritant way, with 90 people you're paying, you know, running an operation that doesn't cost that much money, it does seem like a sort of good bang for your buck. Now, remember, he's gone there, he's done the research, he's still in contact with people there. Well, the effectiveness question, which everybody's talking about now, you know, I it's of my personal belief that it isn't all of that effective. effective. You know, it's essentially a social media marketing campaign. Now, pay attention to those words. We're going to come back to this. Isn't all of that effective. effective. You know, it's essentially a social media marketing campaign with 90 people, a couple million dollars, a few million dollars, few million dollars. behind it, um, run by people who have, you know, a bare grasp of the English language and not a full understanding of who they're targeting, what they're targeting. Um, I think if you think about that in terms of just a normal marketing campaign, that's not going to be a very good bang for your buck. Huh. I think that the the paranoia aspect, right, the idea that there is this, you right. know, kind of all-powerful uh, or, you know, immense propaganda machine that's going on and that anybody who's tweeting something that you don't like or is, you know, kind of tr- causing trouble on the Internet can be Could chalked be up agent. to Russia, that is a very powerful uh, thing that's going on and is – really increasing now, I think, in the wake of these indictments in, in kind of a worrying way. Huh. I agree. Uh, Hayes uh, fails to follow up. Now, um, you remember last week we talked about how you could just go look at all of the tweets? Remember that? We, there was a Google spreadsheet that uh, NBC posted. You could just go look at the tweets. I had it linked in the show notes. Well, shortly after our episode, NBC started deleting some of the tweets. <laughs> oh. Started, now, I think they got caught, and I think they put them back, but they pulled some of the tweets. So what's in these tweets that people are – and the Facebook posts that people are, uh, are posting through Internet Research Agency? Well, I don't have a lot of clips. You can just go read them if you want, but here's a, here is sort of a smattering. Up. All right then, Jackie, dish the dirt. What's in these tweets? Well, not what you might exactly expect. Uh, these deleted tweets are coming from accounts that are supposedly linked to the Kremlin, and they were published by a news outlet who got a hold of them through a third party anonymously, so it's not exactly clear how they got them. Uh, but you'd think that this database would just be chock full of pro-Trump uh, tweets, given that the U.S. intelligence community believes that Putin's goal was to get Trump to the White House. Let's take a listen to what uh, the former FBI director had to say about that. Putin hated Secretary Clinton so much that that the flip side of that coin was he had a clear preference for the person running against the person he hated so much. And while, of course, that actually seems kind of that seems pretty likely. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that seems like that was also Julian Assange's motivation. That's like a Captain Obvious statement. (laughs) There are a number of tweets on the list that either support Trump or specifically against Hillary Clinton. The opposite of that is also true. You can find in the mix tweets in favor of Clinton, encouraging people to vote for her and support for Bernie Sanders. The uh, other Democratic candidate was also in the mix. But that also comes with along with uh, attacks on Trump himself. So it's all a bit of a confusion that it's all in there. There's support for all sides, while, of course, there is a lot about Trump as well. Yeah, a bit of everything. Is it all about the election? 
No. Uh, many are completely off topic, focusing instead on the uh, hard-hitting uh, woes of sleeping in your contacts, of the dislike for alarm clocks. Yeah, I saw and that because one. it's the internet, there was also porn in there as well. <laughs> We've also been told that Twitter bots have been uh, used to uh, promote inflammatory tweets, to get messages to divide people in the country. And yet you can also find among this database tweets that are uh, calling for peaceful solutions, for unity in the country, referring to Black Lives Matters protests. So it's all in there. But the real cherry on the top of this whole story is the fact that there are a number of anti-Russia tweets in this list. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of them are really interesting. They're going on about how Russian hackers were involved in the election, how Hillary warned us against uh, Trump-Russia collusion, and uh, how those ties must be investigated. Let's take a listen to some of the best hits of what, they're, what are to be found in there. Please retweet to demand the House GOP do its job and investigate Donald Trump. That's where all these uh, Nunes uh, tweets are coming I, You at. know, I, it makes me wonder. Um, it makes me wonder if I got targeted and then Putin heard the show so, and got it called off. You know, what's going on here, right? Yeah. What is What the hell is going on here? Why Why are they tweeting about Trump? Why are they tweeting about Black Lives Matter? Why are they, why are they tweeting pro-Hillary stuff? Why are they tweeting uh, erotic imagery of Bernie Sanders? <laughs> what's going on is that the internet is being destroyed by advertising. Internet Research Agency is building audiences. They're creating demos. So the reason they're posting a lot of this stupid shit, like Bernie Sanders, he's all muscled up uh, on Facebook, and uh, one one of their more active groups was a group about cats. Cats. That was one of their more active groups. Because that's a market they can sell to. And they're hitmen. They're advertising hitmen. Like like gorilla, dirty, lie to yeah. you, steal people's identities to pose as people. So that way they can lie to who they're selling ads to. They can lie to the people they're advertising to. It's a shady operation designed for rich sons of bitches who are so filthy rich, they're nationless. They're not, they're, not a, they're not a Putin slave. They're not a Trump fan. They're nationless. They, they exist outside the political system because they can buy the political system when they need something. And so companies like Internet Research Agency exist for these billionaires to come along and create an environment they need in a demo that they want to make an impact on. That's the disgusting thing about what's happening now, is this new insidious form of advertising. And it's pushing us to this point of craziness. Because I think even if you could draw a line straight from the RIA to Putin's wallet, I don't think you could argue that buying a few ads on Facebook and creating a few groups... And having a few tweets that hardly even have any RTs or follows is really going to have any impact on 300 million people. It's just not likely to have any success, especially when compared to like the billion dollars the Clinton campaign is spending on marketing. Just to to throw a different viewpoint here. I mean do do you think that that's what they were honestly trying to do? Like they're trying to influence 300 million people or are they trying to, you know, cause little little, you know, it's kind of like a – uh, you know, sliver in, in your nail, you know, it's ca- cause something to bug certain segments, certain yeah, groups, to get to put it, tension on get, a, get things uh-huh. inflamed, get things to make Perhaps. it up to the mainstream, uh, where they know they'll get a bigger, better audience. Maybe, I mean, I suppose it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the one thing I've always seen in this this kind of thing is 
it's like it's the whole confirmation thing, living in your own bubble, right? You know, if you believe something to be one way or the other, you're going to – typically we've seen people on social media seek out those same opinions. Typically, we hope that people are going out there and looking at everything, but most people don't. They get locked in and then they see a group that matches those feelings and thoughts that they have and they just latch onto it. They don't really care if it's not true because it just confirms what they feel. So you're actually making a point that uh, your good buddy, uh, Julian Assange, made. Oh, he, you know, he follows me on in Twitter. A, in a yeah. tweet storm. Is that what we call these when somebody does this? Uh, yeah, I guess so. So on February 18th, he tweets, Julian Assange says, buried in the Mueller or Mueller astroturfing indictment <laughs> All right, uh, is something that we all have long suspected. The Internet Research Agency's troll farm is geared to develop an audience in a socially active community in order to spam them on behalf of anyone willing to pay. And then he uh, screenshots the section of the indictment, which talks about that. Before advertising networks can advertise, they must build an audience. How much of the IRA's activities were simply trying to build an audience by gaining followers using tweets and memes, which is mostly what they did, likely to be shared in those communities? Uh, IRA allegedly also ran kitten application groups, or I mean, more cat stuff, appreciation groups. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're also led to believe that these kittens were also a plot to divide America. Uh, he does not think so. He says the U.S. has 320 million people with a trillion dollar media. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, buddy. A lot with of a, zeros. With a trillion-dollar media and cultural sector that employs over a million people. I got to read that sentence again. That's a lot of big numbers. The U.S. has 320 million people with a trillion-dollar media and cultural sector that employs over a million people. Yeah. I do not assess that it is possible whatsoever to divide America by trying to heighten the differences within 100 trolls. Reinforcing audience bias is exactly what Facebook and Google have been doing, which is yeah, what you just that's said. What I said, yeah. At a very la- a vast scale by algorithmically, algorithmically – Preying on people's existing biases to increase engagement. Yeah. But really, in a more traditional manner, that's what Fox, MSNBC, CNN. That's what everybody does. That's what New York Times does. That's why we don't do advertising on this show, so we don't have to play that game. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Regardless of whether RIA's activities were audience building through pandering to communities or were uh, – or rather a hard brain a, – geez, sorry, guys – or whether a harebrained Russian government planned to heighten the differences that existed, its activities are clearly strategically insignificant compared to other forces at play. The one thing that's sad about this is it obviously uh, you know, perpetuates this, this, this discord, <laughs> to use the word. Yeah. And we have a lot of terms right now that we're using a lot. Metal and discord. And it just feeds into the, the polarization that I, it, I think is really starting to hurt us just overall, period. We get so polarized in this. We're getting wound up. And everything we are. Wound up, yeah. every, you know, we, we get people wound up on either – every side, every single side. I, I completely agree. And then what happens is groups like this – I mean not just Russian groups but mm-hmm. mo- all groups, big media groups, small media groups feed on that. They take advantage of that and they play us all. Watch this. But what part of it in this is a cover-up? What – This is a CNN reporter standing in the lawn of an administrator of a Facebook pro-Trump group. And the CNN reporter has decided that that was a group that was linked to the Russian meddling. And so she was she must have been working with the Russians. True or what? Uh, the Russians? I don't care if they were 
uh, involved or not, that's that to me is the least important thing. But they were involved with you. Did you guys know that? They weren't involved with us. Let's, you know, just make sure that you report it correctly, that, you know... But you guys were involved with being patriotic, right? Very, very patriotic. But Isn't uh, this almost, to me, looks... This is like damn near hysteria levels where, like, we're out... Like, this lady is clearly just an old conservative lady who didn't want Hillary to win. And, and is, I mean, she, she's not well, She's not a Russian I, agent, right? No, no, no. And, but <clears throat> I, I think what the reporter was trying to do here is... Is say, did you know that they were manipulating your group or whatever? Right. Well, yeah. did you know that the, this, the stuff that was feeding into your group was not from other Americans? It was from uh, Russia. Right, right. And She disagrees with that whole characterization completely, though. Right, exactly. And and I think that comes back to the old confirmation thing or the the bubble theory, you know, mm-hmm. where where you know she doesn't care where it comes from because she agrees with it. Well, it, but if you look at the group, I mean, if it's coming from people that are on her Facebook friends, she probably trusts it to some degree. Absolutely, and if and yeah. that could either be somebody stealing their accounts or that could be. See, I actually, but, it, but it's her. It's it's confirmation to what she believes. I'm not. I'm not really buying that these 90 employees at the RIA really made that big of an impact when you compare it to like Correct the Record, which was this massive multi-thousand employee right. force that was hugely funded. I'm not trying to say, well, they did this so they can do this. But I'm just simply saying like I I don't really buy into like – you know, when you're on Reddit, you'll always see some, oh, that's a shill or that's a troll or oh, that must be a bot. And people right. are just like it's everything's a bot now. Everything's a shill. Everybody's a troll. Uh, and I think I, I'm just not—I'm just not buying it. I just don't buy that they're impacting the conversation. Like, if, no, if this I, worked, then if this worked, this is my last point. Yeah, no, I'll just say yeah, something. Yeah. If this worked, spam would be better by now. Spam I, is still shit today. I don't think it's impacting. I think it's just reaffirming confirmation bias. Yeah, yeah, I do pe- agree with that. Mm-hmm. And and, and that—and that's where it in, in, let, instead of letting people have a, a chance to come up for air and have a. Maybe a different. I know, thought like getting it, a break after the election would right, be nice. Right, have a have to come up for keep and, everybody and, spun up. Yeah, and, and that's it. It's keeping everybody spun up, and then what happens is you get to a point where you know this lady, you know, and you know, God bless her, you know, she's entitled to her opinion, whether it's right or wrong. That is her right as an American; she can do that, <laughs> right? Whether it's she right be or as wrong. dumb as she wants. Well, or however, but okay. what I'm trying to say okay. is, mm-hmm. oh yeah, once you get locked in. And you, you're getting re reconfirmed and reaffirmed, e- even if something is blatantly true. I, I don't care. I don't care. This is the way that it is. This is how I feel. Then, at some point, it's yep. going to break. We're going to break. Yeah, and um, it's easy to push on those buttons. That's why I, I think some yeah. of the some of the things we you know we still struggle with today. Like you would have thought we would have. I mean, I don't years necessarily ago. agree with the the correspondent there and, and how that was badgering presented. her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously. You know, he's going for the clicks. He's going for the, the the quick media hit, or whatever the case may be. You know, I think there was a better way of handling this. Hey, Miss, you know, we want to talk to you about this situation. Yeah, you know, and just but no, they're going for the shock value, which is again the whole ratings thing, and you know, we're just feeding the machine. Can I? Can I? Can we talk about what bothers me about this whole thing? <clears throat> and it gets labeled as whataboutism, which I think is a is a is a chicken shit way to dismiss this concern. Is there is an unquestionable, rich, thick Corinthian hypocrisy here about meddling 
I'm glad you're here, um, Jim Rimmer, because I want to ask you about, so, so Mike, Mike, Ambassador McFall, former um, ambassador in the Obama era to, to Russia, tweeted this last night, caught, creating a bit of confusion about whether he'd seen Sean Hannity, the man, or the program. It turns out he meant the program. But he tweeted, caught Sean Hannity at the gym tonight, didn't know he was talking about American alleged interference in other countries' elections as an excuse for Russia violating our sovereignty. That's exactly the whataboutism argument Putin's TV channels make. Exactly. I love it when you also do the, uh, oh, those are Russian talking points, as if <laughs> there's like a memo. <laughs> They're passing it around for you to read. So, you know, I guess one of the differences between um, any any stipulated um, lack of, of, of fulsomeness in the Obama era response was it, it didn't have a network. Boy, she's really struggling to say this right, isn't she? Jeez Louise, lady, get it out. Um, distorting the truth for it. Donald Trump does. Right. So she's and saying that Donald Trump has Fox News. But, you know, what... what I Says the gal on MSNBC. <laughs> well, no, is, is she the rich. host? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm so, just saying, like... Or is she a guest? She's the host. But oh, if there's okay. an irony to, like, yeah. MSNBC calling out Fox for carrying water for the le- for the right when they carry water. Well, and, you know... I, there's then, an irony to And it. then I also see the president, obviously, you know, he calls NBC fake news... And then when they have a, a positive article on CNBC, he, he tweets about it. So I, it, it's like yeah. whatever. All right. So uh, here it does. All so stick with him. We're going somewhere yeah, with all this. Right, all right. Reporting the truth for it. Donald Trump does. Right. And But you know what? what I missed Sean Hannity last night. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> there is some truth to the fact that the United States has engaged in election meddling over its history. The CIA has. Now we just wave that away, though. But uh, what what Ambassador McFall was on to is it's it's not always the same thing. We're the good guys and they are the bad guys. Right. Like here, uh, you can help a democratic movement deal with the despot. Well, right. Or, Sometimes now, they're standing up for the. Ar- you know, let, you, you let can me go ask, over and give Ukrainian. Um, well, let me, let me uh, ask you this. Sandwiches. <clears throat> so, so let me let me be real devil as advocate uh-huh, here. Okay. Uh-huh, yeah. Let's say I mean, we'll, I, yeah. we'll, we'll pick the uh, the fake country of Plaponia. Okay, Plaponia. Can't no, just use Canada for anything. <laughs> yeah, we, we love you, Canada. <laughs> All right, so Canada. Let's say for example, Justin Trudeau, uh, Trudeau uh, advocated for for killing people, and he wanted to kill people all the time, and he wanted to turn Canada into a dictatorship. Of course, I so here's the here's why your example is no good. Okay, because you can't actually trust if it's true or not that Justin's doing that. Like. All of the times that they said Assad was gassing his own people were all disproven. And it's like, well, how do we know what they're saying about Assad's true? I don't know if Assad – I'm assuming Assad's a hor- horrible person. Right. I assume a Gaddafi was a horrible person. Yeah. I assume Putin's a horrible person. Yeah. And I also, I also assume that Donald Trump is, off, is likely a horrible person. Yeah. I, I, I think the problem is you can't trust the reasons why we're actually going in and doing regime change. Like, why did we help overthrow the Ukrainian government? What was the motivation Oil. for toppling? Sorry, what? what was the motivation for toppling Gaddafi? I mean, these are just the ones in the last five years that we've covered, and this goes back to the fifties oh, and, yeah. and before. Well, it makes me go back to what is it? Uh, was it Rumsfeld? The the the, the quote of. You know, we're going to do all these five countries or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah uh, it wasn't Rumsfeld, but. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, but, you know, I, I remember. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. If so, if all things that we were that got reported to us were true and they came out and said Justin Trudeau has turned into a maniac and he's killing his people um, like the guy in the Philippines. Uh, 
then that would be a totally different scenario. But the reality is we don't actually know if we can trust that information. Right. And But that's where I – I mean do we do the same thing? Like do we go into social media and those other countries and do the same things that these are – these things are alleged to happen See, I suspect us? I suspect we do it. Way more, like I think well, it's and up maybe to eleven. We, well, not only that, but maybe we don't even bother with social media. We just go in there, run over with, with people, boots on the ground. With social media is only part of what we white do. White jeeps, and we just do it. So here's the former CIA director, James Woosley. Should and it gives them heart as they take mm-hmm. more and more uh, under their wing. Have we ever tried to meddle in other countries' elections? Oh, probably, but uh, it was for the good of the system in order to avoid the communists from taking yeah. over. For example, in- again, because our it was our side. It was our side. If the communists say, "Well, Chris, be careful," because you might be saying communism is good. I mean, I'm glad my side won, but you know that is the, the literal the literal argument here is, well, yeah, but it's our side. It was for the good of the system and the good of the system, whatever the hell that means. Is he oh, talking probably, democracy, or but, what is uh, he saying? Um, is he saying the Allies? You know, World War Two? Yeah, I, I, that's what I th- I think he means. Like the Western system is yeah. probably what he means. Uh, it was for the good of the system in order to avoid the communists from taking yeah. over. For example, in Europe, uh, uh, in forty seven, forty eight, forty nine, uh, the Greeks and the Italians. We we don't do CIA. that now, though. We don't mess around other people's well, elections. Only for a very good. Can cause. you do that to a vine? Only for a really good cause. Yum, Video yum, yum, on yum, yum. those former. Super- I gotta watch that again. We don't do that CIA. now, though. We don't mess around other people's well, elections, Joe. <laughs> only for a very good Can cause. Can you do that? Do a Vine video on those former CIA directors. Only for a very good cause in okay. the interest of democracy. All right, thank you. In the interest of democracy. Uh, so only when it matters for us, then it's okay. That's, that's, that's the standard, everybody. There you go. <laughs> Former we, that's, we have the moral high ground. That's your CIA right there. That is literally the face of the CIA right there. Yeah. Take it in, everybody. So I don't know. I, I, I make – from what I make of this is um, this is – this part of it is a little weak. Um, it's getting spun in a lot of different ways. But because it says in here – so there's two things in here that really jump out at me. Number one is co-conspirators are mentioned a lot, several times in almost every paragraph in this indictment, co-conspirators are mentioned. In my estimation, like a lot of times, this is this here's an exact phrasing, a top of top paragraph. Defendants and co-conspirators used email addresses of false U.S. persons. That the co-conspirators part, I think we're going to be hearing a lot more. I think we're going to be getting another thirty-seven page indictment, perhaps a lot more. The thing that isn't getting as much coverage is it also leaves a lot of room in here for Trump campaign people to be unwitting in their participation if anything is connected. There is sort of like a legal escape hatch here now for the Trump administration in this very indictment. That's not getting a lot of attention, but it's not just my reading of it. Uh, I have several links in the show notes where people are reading that too. Uh, So that could be something to follow. And there could be more indictments coming. We're probably not going to see any of these people ever face any kind of real punishment because, again, they're not even in the country and, uh, well, they have no jurisdiction in Russia. So it's uh, it's a bit of a um, – No, Russia will expedite them and uh, – or extradite them, excuse me. I'm not super uh, – I'm not super fired up about it. It's sort of like a – okay, all no, right. I, the it way, is interesting to expose the IRA and the, the, this LLCs and stuff. Uh, you know, I said it to the chat room earlier. 
it's 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 like climbing a mountain, right? You got to start low and you got to work your way up. And I think this is just another level, another tier yeah. on, on, in the investigation. Right. Yeah, I think you're right about yeah. that. And I think uh, we'll just keep pulling it and see yeah. where else it goes. Totes. So trolls, trolls, it's all about the trolls now. As sure as the sun Ooh. will rise, crazy conspiracy theories will crop up after tragedies. Now, there's a really, really good chance that this is going to get our show pulled off of YouTube. Uh, independent YouTubers that are talking about the shooting are getting their videos pulled down. Um, for hate speech. So I'm saying right now, we're, we're playing this as news commentary. The problem is you're saying this live, Chris, and if it does get pulled down, no one will hear you that's say true. this. <laughs> I'm talking to you, YouTube. Yeah, that's and that's true. what's happening today in the wake of the Parkland School Massacre. Some of these conspiracies even make it to the Statehouse. We get a new, we get a new term. See if you can catch the new term. Ooh. And some to the White House. Let's discuss with CNN senior media correspondent and host of Reliable Sources, Brian Stelter. So, Brian. This guy is such a piece of work. I can't believe his show is called Reliable of, Sources. One of your good friends. Yeah, it's like, it's like what's, the, what's the opposite of what Brian Stelter wanted? Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll give him a show called that. Uh, conspiracy trolls are already in overdrive. Uh, Did you catch it? Conspiracy trolls. Isn't that good? That's our that's so now so now if you talk about something like Seth Rich, you're going to be a conspiracy troll. See, and, and the I have a huge problem with that because it's, because it, 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 it's it a just wide amps net. it up too, it's, and it's a wide net. Yep, it's like you're you, you're casting a wide net, and you're taking somebody that may have it doesn't need need to be conspiracy based or anything. You just may have a different point of view. Yeah, they also. And if you don't agree with that point of view, now you're a conspiracy troll. There's also so conspiracy troll, and and then ch- check wow. the one out they have in the lower third there. Did you read that? Conspiracy theorists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. You got conspiracy theorists. You got conspiracy trolls. You know what the one I'm waiting for? Uh. Conspiracy terrorists. Oh. This is Brian Stelter. So Brian, uh, conspiracy trolls are already in overdrive, um, talking about this tragedy. They, I'll just put up some examples. These are all from the usual suspects. Yeah. That you would imagine to, you know, just peddle this conspiracy nonsense. Um, I'll just read a couple. They say that the school shooting survivors are activists. They appear to have been coached on anti-Trump lines because one of their fathers is in the FBI or was. Mm-hmm. There are, are questions around these teen activists. One of them says, are they actors? Are some of these crisis? Act- she seems quite outraged. She seems quite upset. Um I am, I am, I, it's odd, like, when they decide to give airtime to conspiracy theories and when they decide not to. And on this particular one, well, maybe, I think it, they think it makes their case or something. Well, maybe it was partly because, you know, just because a kid is well-spoken doesn't mean he's coached. I mean, there are some very bright and smart kids out there. And to just, you know, and I think no, Marco, I'm not, I think I'm Marco not trying actually, to argue. No, 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 I know, but I mean. It's just I, weird that they're covering them. But no, but, but what I was trying to get to is about kids. Oh, when okay. you're talking about kids, you know it's all it's for the kids. It's about kids or whatever. You know it, it strikes a chord with a lot of viewers. Oh, yeah, okay, I see what you're so I, I'm just trying. You got to think of the children. You got to think of the kids. I, I follow you. Yeah. Um, there was a local angle that uh, I know you probably heard about being down there in the newsroom. There's pain and relief at Aces High School in Everett, Washington. Huh? Here, school officials say, "See something, say something," works. This could have been a very big tragedy if it had happened. 18-year-old Joshua O'Connor was arrested Tuesday morning. His plot to shoot students was foiled after his grandmother found a journal filled with threats and alarming detail. She called 911. Now, this is good. It's very, very good. But there's a message in here that's a little spooky to me. No one knows the child better than a parent or a guardian. When you have family members who come forward, that's how the system's supposed to work. Is that, is that true? 
Is that how the, the legal system is supposed to work, is by snitching on your family? And when you have family members who come forward, that's how the system's supposed to work. Is that, is that how the system's supposed to work, guys? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <clears throat> that's kind of awkward. So speaking of awkward, there is a very awkward aspect to the Florida shooting story that uh, different individuals have taken advantage of. Well, the indictments come as the FBI finds itself under heavy criticism over Wednesday's deadly school shooting in Florida. That's after the Bureau admitted it failed to react to prior tip-offs on the danger posed by the gunman who killed 17 people. Florida's governor has called on the FBI's director to resign over this fatal failure. The FBI's failure to take action against this killer is unacceptable. 17 innocent people are dead and acknowledging a mistake isn't going to cut it. An apology will never bring these 17 Floridians back to life or comfort the families who are in pain. The families will spend a lifetime wondering how this could happen and an apology will never give them the answers they desperately need. The FBI director needs to resign. Wait, all right. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, so an apology won't do any good, but... But the FBI director needs to resign. That'll do something. That makes a difference. That makes a difference. No, I mean we got to look. Also, at the, the director is fairly new. Yeah, look at the full picture here. First off, Rick Scott, governor, Republican governor, best buddy to Trump, does a lot of uh, that vacationing. Is, that and, is some and, of the bacon going on yeah, right there's now, some bacon buddy. There. There's so, some bacon frying. So this you know, is like a, hey, give me a favor and pressure this guy out. This this solely rests on the Miami office of the FBI. They have over a thousand. Think of this. They have a 1,000 employees, and the ball was dropped, okay? So I think this clip covers that, too. Yeah. The law enforcement authorities admitted over the last few years they'd had over a dozen calls regarding the killer. We have uncovered at the Broward Sheriff's Office that we've had approximately 20 calls for service over the last few years regarding the killer. The FBI has determined that protocol was not followed. The information was not provided to the Miami field office, and no further investigation was conducted at that time. What pisses me, this pisses me off to no end because, you know, remember that situation that happened in Spokane, you know, where, you know, uh, they had the situation with that bomber. They, you know, they had this thorough investigation and they, and they, and they got somebody before they even did anything. Yes. And then here they had actual like reports and witnesses and like multiple calls. Can you and, name and nothing a, happened. Can you name a recent um like mass casualty event where they weren't already on the FBI's radar? Like the from You're the, right. from the Boston bombers like just You're uh, absolutely right. All of them. Absolutely right. All of them were all of them in every single case. They were already the authorities were already aware of the individuals and and already had reason to be suspicious in every single case. That's weird. Yeah. And what it showed, what I, it's not that doesn't mean there's some big conspiracy. It doesn't no. mean that that uh, what it tells you most likely is that it really is way too much data. Like they have way too many terrorist lists. Bureaucracy is too big. It's too big. It's too there's big. There's too many people. The NSA and the, the intelligence agencies are slurping everything up. They're monitoring. They're taking cell phone stingrays out there and they're, they're slurping up everybody's stuff. But they, of, don't, they don't make it – they don't catch the things that really matter. They're too busy with all this other crap. I know. And, th- and that's the part. It's like what are we why, – why are we spending billions and billions of dollars – and you're saying we need to do this. We need to suck up all this data. We need to know everything that you're looking at on the internet and what you're posting on social media. But at the end of the day, the ball gets dropped. What do you always what say, Chase? Show me the freaking money. That's right. That's right. Show me the money. Show me the money. 
That's what it comes down to. If, if assuming they don't go, assuming that the Mueller investigation doesn't go longer than three years, which that's what it's tracked for right now. That's what it's budgeted for right now is three years, um, which means it goes into 2019, by the way. That, that just the Mueller investigation, so not the House or the Senate's investigations, just the Mueller investigation will cost us $30 million. Just Mueller. That doesn't include all of the money that the FBI has spent, the money they spent to fusion GPS. That doesn't count any of the time that any of the other intelligence agencies have been involved with any of this. All of Schiff and his staff, all of Nunes and his staff, doesn't count for any of Gowdy's time to write the memo. None of that I'm talking about. Just Mueller is $10 million a year run rate, assuming they don't go over for three years. And so far, what we've gotten is an indictment for 13 individuals that aren't even in this country and potentially a legal escape hatch for Donald Trump in there. Well, Chris, so what's this? What are we? And meanwhile, this shooter is like in front of them, 20 phone calls about it, 20 reports uh, to the police. The F, like there I mean, was some sort of communication issue between FBI offices. I mean, don't get me going uh, and talking about wasting money and, and, and money because it's just so it's well, so awful. I, well, we like, spend money I mean, on. let's let's talk about golf golf carts and rentals. And, and <laughs> I mean, if you want to oh, go man. there, we can go there. Let's, uh, all I'm, let's I, talk I, about the damn price of booze right, in this state. Right. I mean, I the 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 problem here is the bureaucracy. It, it, it's it's way too big. It, you know, it, it's you know, you have a thousand agents. In the FBI field office, okay. Just put that in perspective. That's just Miami, okay. That's probably duplicated in every major American city. You know how right. much is too much? Imagine New York. What New York must be? Oh, Ten thousand. It's got to be huge, especially after nine eleven. Oh well, yeah, and you know, there's constant places in New York where they're still under that state of you know constant reminders of fear, and you know things blocked off, and you can't go certain places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to what end? Yeah. To what end? To what end? Um, <laughs> it's it's depressing. It's frustrating. Yeah. But I'm very happy that you and I have the freedom to talk with our patrons and be able to just be able to fully express ourselves and have a pleasant discord you with know, each other. We are creating some good discord here. You have to wonder if if the if more people do research into the Internet Research Agency. And it comes out more that it's really about advertising and building audience and creating demos to sell ads to. It's going to become a toxic marketplace for advertising. You see Google these days. They're trying to build in some level of ad blocking into Chrome. They're working on trying to put the web all into AMP so that way they can integrate ads into that and consolidate Google search results down to AMP. Have you seen AMP stories are coming? Uh-huh. They're like they're like um, like Facebook or what is it? Instagram stories yeah. and uh, Snapchat stories only. So what it will do is it will encapsulate the entire article with uh, live am- animation images and it will preview them just as like a knowledge card in the search results. Essentially, Google is making some aggressive moves when it comes to advertising on the web. You have this pressure from these horrible characters like the Internet Research Agency. And it's yeah. so clear why shows like ours, their independent news coverage – have to be sponsored by the people consuming the content. It has to be the audience. So that way, that's who our priority is. That's who we're trying to please. That's the attention of the people we're trying to get are the very people that are supporting us. Patreon.com slash unfilter. We've had about three weeks of one or two patrons. And it has it has sort of been a little bit of a hit to the motivation. I'd love to see a little more support coming in. So one of the things we did to maybe encourage a little bit is every time when we fill up on the Club 33 – 
we kind of have a little conversation behind the scenes and say, if we open this up a little more, can we scale the swag that we give out to it? You know, can yeah, we yeah. can we keep the cost right? Can we keep the quality high? Like, can yeah. we do? Can we ship it to all the places we need to? And almost every single damn time, we say, ah, we're not ready to do that yet. Can't scale, but this week we're doing it. We're opening it up. We're opening it up. So if you go over, we to have Patreon, nine spots open right now. Yeah. As we record. You can also, if you're an existing patron, you can upgrade to Club 33 as well. And then you get into Mr. Chase's That's stack. That's right! Oh, yeah. And Mr. Chase, the do we have uh Yeah, you know, we do. Really, we do. Yeah, yeah we do. You know, that so just answer. to kind of give you guys a, a brief reminder about what Club 33 and the sack is all about. Every Wednesday on the show, we have a little segment before we talk about our high note. Where Club 33, you have the opportunity to have direct access to Chris and myself. So you could tell us what's on your mind. Maybe you have an opinion about a, a you know a topic that we talked about previously on the show. Maybe you want to talk about something that's happening in your neck of the woods. We do get a lot of people from international that will chime in. Uh, maybe you know you just want to share something that's going on good in your world, and you want to share it with the Did audience. Did anybody ever do that? Sometimes we do. We do get some positive information. That would be pretty wild, man. I'd yeah. like that. I, I, you know, with all the stuff that we get, all the hate. Do we get a lot of hate? You know, not, not, hate, not in but Club just, 33. Not hate, but like, you know, just, you know, just terrible news, you know, just reminders oh, of things that are happening. So just oh, want to remind. That, yeah. and, and on every Wednesday, Woo! Wednesday morning, before Woo! we have our live show, I will send out a Patreon email. So make sure you have Patreon emails whitelisted in your mail client. And then you can respond and enter the sack. Woo. Uh, yes. Into the sack so, we go now. So Michael just wrote in and actually this is uh might be uh for an overtime topic or maybe you did cover this chris but, face. Uh, but michael wrote in and says I, I know there's far bigger topics this week but i just wanted to see if anyone saw the video lisa lucas from west virginia um perhaps i know robert did about. mention here in the comments that chris showed it last week so oh, okay. maybe there's something and maybe it's an overtime thing so i don't yeah. remember that in the main show mm. so remember you jump in at club 33 oh. you get the swag you get to your have your emails or feedback read on air during this segment and uh, obviously there's a lot of great things happening here so Is patreon. That it right com, there, that's huh? it patreon.com slash unfilter yeah. if you want to jump in we have nine spots open right now <laughs> And thank you to our patrons, and the overtime is coming up in just a little bit. But now it is definitely time for the high note. Mommy needs a joint. <laughs> Gets so, me every time. I know. I just love it so much. Um, we're gonna do. We're gonna do. Um, we're gonna do a little follow up on on a, on a long running theme in the show here. But first, an update on the whole opioid situation because that's really pretty damn important right now. A new investigation led by Senator Claire McCaskill exposing the financial ties between opioid manufacturers and advocacy groups. I believed that some of these groups were fronting for the opioid industry. No. And that's what we found. No. The congressional review of donations from a handful of opioid manufacturers, names such as Purdue and Insys, found nearly $9 million in varying amounts funneled to 14 advocacy groups over five years. Yikes. You see these nice sounding names in these organizations and you don't realize that many of them are being funded by the very people that manufacture opioids. Businesses don't give money to advocacy groups without getting a return on investment. Dr. Adrian Fu Berman studies drug marketing practices and has been hired to testify in state lawsuits against opioid manufacturers. These groups have minimized addiction risks. They've actually lobbied to fight laws that um, seek to prevent overprescription. Some, according to the report, even found fault with CDC guidelines seeking to curb opioid dosing. 
Another, the National Pain Foundation, defended a convicted doctor charged with overprescribing up to 1,600 pills a day. Beware of any organization if you don't know who's paying the bills. Purdue and Insys told us the money was to support organizations aiming to help pain patients receive appropriate care. The National Pain Foundation didn't respond to requests for comment, but told Senate investigators it no longer accepts contributions from pharmaceutical companies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so if you think they're not willing to spend a little money on some politicians to buy their position on cannabis, think again, my friend. All right, so that theme I talked about, Washington was the first state in the great nation. Sorry, Colorado. We were first. Right. In the great nation of the U.S. of the states. And uh, we legalized cannabis first. And so it's been a bit of an experiment here. And there's been some ups and some downs. Three Lewis County pot businesses are suing the county and the state because they have essentially been banned. An ordinance requires pot shops in unincorporated parts of the county to get approval from the federal government. But well, how do you suppose that's going to go? But of course, the feds will not greenlight marijuana businesses. Three retailers filed a complaint saying the ordinance is contrary to state law. A trial de- date has not yet been set. I think they have a case. Yeah, I think so. Um, I and mean, how are they supposed to open up a business if they've been essentially banned by the county? And Governor Inslee does seem to be on the side of the cannabis industry. I think it's just too much damn money. Yeah, yeah, I'm not so going to play the show me what, the money. What do you always again, yeah, I know, I'm not yeah, going to do it. I, I, I just, but you it's know, true. We're, it's bo- true. we're all thinking. And actually, you know, there's an impact in our local area, too, because there's a few cities in our neck of the woods that have done the exact same thing. Yep. So this could potentially open up a big can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so – and here's – you know, and I think the governor is going to side with the pot shops. All right. Welcome back. The marijuana industry is reeling after the Justice Department rolled back Obama-era protections for states that have legalized pot. The decision puts those states at odds with the federal government, which still considers marijuana sales a crime. And critics say it's a costly mistake. The marijuana industry reported $8 billion in revenue last Yep. Yep. I think one of the one of the first early projections was going to be thirty million. Yeah, it blew through that. Estimate. It's a costly mistake. The marijuana industry reported eight billion dollars in revenue last year. Washington State alone saw more than a billion dollars during the last fiscal year, bringing in three hundred fourteen million dollars in taxes. It's pretty big money, and there is a lot at stake here. Governor Jay Inslee joins me now uh, from Seattle. Good to see you, Governor, and Happy New Year. I know where he is. Thanks for having me on. It is a Happy New Year. Thank you. Very good. Well, well, hopefully it continues to be so. But then with this, you know, new directive coming from the attorney general, um, this certainly does cramp the style of many states. So what do you believe is behind this? Well, look, I, I know that Donald Trump has declared himself a stable genius, oh, but I have to uh... say a sowing instability in a very stable uh, market and stable Uh, move forward in Washington state and Colorado now California is not stability. It is sowing instability where it is not needed. And it is not genius. And the reason it is not genius is it's it's a decision not based on evidence. Because the evidence is that in our state, in Colorado, in many states with the medical marijuana, we have proven that if you have a well-regulated, disciplined market, you allow people the liberty interest to make their own decisions, you do not increase youthful use of marijuana. That's been demonstrated in my state. You prevent the, uh, the, uh, 
the loss of this product outside the regulated market. You do not end up with more scandalous behavior. You do not end up with more crime. In fact, perhaps the opposite. And you have the side benefit of generating money for our schools and our health benefits to the tune of actually about $700 million a year of biennium in our state. So the evidence of this, a stable genius would look at the evidence. I know. I wish she had, you know, she didn't even ask him about Trump. She asked him about Sessions. I know. But he went in with some lines that somebody prepared him, yeah. I think. I mean, he could have got the same point across without having to try to, to, to do Take the, a shot at Trump. Take a, a couple shots to Trump. Yeah, or uh, at least the same awkward shot over and over again. Right. And, you know, one of the things that we were hearing constantly from, from a lot of groups before this law passed and it became legal is, Oh my God! You know we're gonna we're we're getting people we're gonna get people hurt, killed. You know there was a, a brief the thing up, of the children uptick of the uh, impaired driving stuff. Right. Well, I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that. You to know, be honest, you know why? Because people don't people they they laugh it off like, oh come on, because I think people are smart. Yeah. At least here, I'm not implying no one else is. But no, it comes in cycles. Totally, it does. I mean, obviously, we we pick it up here and there when they say, "Oh, uh, like the kid in Everett, for example, they got arrested by the grandmother." You know, they did mention as a little side note in the story. Oh, and they found cannabis. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, oh, it's like so. oh my god, and they found a beer. You know, it's yeah. like it's the same thing. It really is, especially really Washington. Yes. So and and uh, it's becoming uh, even uh, where the hipsters are getting in on the action chase. A downtown Seattle cafe may have you doing a double take on your next double shot. It is serving lattes with a pot derivative called CBD oil. Now, CBD is short for cannabidiol, and it's a non-psychoactive component in marijuana. It does not create a high like THC does. Cafe Hitchcock owner Brendan McGill says he saw it being used in Los Angeles, and he decided to try it here. Can he do that? You know, CBD oil is legal. It's completely legal because it doesn't have, depending on how it's mixed, it can have almost no wow, THC. Wow, I was not aware of this. Yeah, and if it has no THC, it has no psychoactive properties to it yeah. uh, or whatever the term yeah. is. So uh, I was always like, a, hmm, CBD, that's interesting. That's, uh, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, but then uh, over the last couple of years, a lot of – so my, my lady, Hadia, is an acupuncturist. She owns an acupuncture clinic up in Skagit County. And she – a lot of her clients come to her – from doctors. Her doctors recommend them when, as part of the treatment. And uh, a lot of her patients that are like in their older, like later years, like 80s and 75, 80, 85, 90, that have a lot of like arthritis pain and back pain and things like that, they started ha- coming to her and telling her, I, you know, I'm having tremendous success with something called CBD oil. This is the last couple of years. It's been happening more and more and more that her patients, so she actually, when she got injured, she tried it and it it was remarkable for her. She had like some sort of wrist injury, and it was remarkable. You know, I I just it's like something to do with I, inflammation know, or something like that. You know, I come up I came up with a, an interesting theory. Uh, you know, the other day I was just kind of brainstorming to myself, like you know, you know, obviously there's pharmaceutical interests. You know, why you know they 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 want to knock this crap down in a lot of states, and you know, Jeff Sessions is you know a pit bull again. In it. But I always come back to you know our first episode, episode one. You know, we, we did a lot of research and a lot of information. This is before we became more uh, more news driven. It was just more topical. But uh, you know, the patents that the U.S. government has, they still have them. You know, they're still valid when it comes to cannabis. And I always wonder, well, maybe the reason why that they're starting to fight this stuff now is because they were never able to really try to figure out a way to capitalize on that patent yeah. because it's all about money driven stuff. And now it's like, you know, what are they going to do next? I wonder, I wonder if, uh, 
wonder if we're going to have to go just through a generation of figuring this stuff out. Like oh. uh, somebody in the chat room, somebody in the Discord room, uh, Roker points out, like, you know, you put CBD oil in super hot coffee, for all you know, it might r- ruin the effects. You know, like there's all these like things we don't know because we've really only just begun to mess around with some right. of this stuff. And some of this stuff we, is going to be crap. We need to really allow like big, reputable yeah. research yeah. on this. Right. I mean, and not like the ditch weed stuff that we've talked about on the show before, like real yeah. hardcore, large sample stuff. And let's get to the bottom of what can be potentially very helpful to people, like I, the mommy. I was surprised when you know Hadia told me, hey, she's like, more and more patients are telling me about this. And it's like, okay, so it's yeah. getting – like the, the, the word is getting out there. So yeah, you can, go, you can go down to a Seattle coffee shop soon. Brendan McGill says he saw it being used in Los Angeles and he decided to try it here. The reason it seems to be legal is due to numbers and definitions. Because CBD oil has a THC concentration of less than 0.3 percent, it's considered hemp in the eyes of the law. I wouldn't say it's a loophole. It just might be something that hasn't been legislated against yet. A lot of people feel anxious in in the world today. And uh, people come in here and have chamomile tea for the same reason, that they might have a a CBD-infused beverage. Supporters say CBD oil can help with pain and anxiety and more serious medical issues. As for the taste, McGill says it has a mild, grassy flavor. (laughs) Uh, and by the way, we've we've talked about you know kids on the show. I mean, the girl, yeah. the stutter, uh, think the, of the children, the Chase. seizure girl, yeah, that is fighting. Remember suing Jeff Sessions. By we the way, can, we got more clips. Uh, we got like a little another mini high note in the overtime. Wanted Just to put one. a mental calendar note in the back pockets oh, of you. all of our people out there. In two weeks, Chris is going to be doing something very special. What yeah, are you doing? I'm going to be down at Scale 16X, the Southern California Linux Woo! Expo. That's yeah, awesome. In Pasadena, California, nice. on March 8th through the 10th, I believe it is. No, through the 11th. Uh, if you want to come hang out, and if even if you're not going to scale and you just want to say hi, yeah. hit me up on uh, Telegram Telegram or Twitter, at Chris Elias on both of them. God, Might I love be it. the best. Uh, so, yeah, in two weeks, we will not have a show because I will be in transit. But we'll still have clips. Producer Matt will still be checking the news. I'll still be following the news. Mr. Chase works in a news department. Fair enough. So don't worry. We'll still be on top of everything. Absolutely. But Chase, if they want to find you throughout the week, where should they go? I would love to join, have people join me in my Discord, Discord, GG, slash TV. Also have a Twitch stream where I'm now doing pinball streaming. So head on over to twitch.tv slash TV. And of course, I'm always on the Twitter. I'm the original Nunes, at Nunes, <laughs> N-U-N-E-S. Follow the network at Jupiter Signal. I'm at Chris L-A-S. Tech Talk's coming back. Tech what? Talk wait, wait, today. Wait, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. We'll what? see you next week. Holy Join crap. us live, jblive.tv. We'll be gone in two weeks, but we will be back next week. The overtime's coming up. Mug. But your meat and potatoes is all I done. My coffee mug. See you back here next, next week. that dial. Now that those Russian agents are out of here, we can start Overtime!
Thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you guys very much. We got two. Two brave souls this week. Two brave souls. It's a slow climb. Slow. It's a slow climb for February. But thank you to our two new patrons over there. Nick and Chris. Representing. Representing the Chris's over there. Thank you. Chris C. And Nick B. At patreon.com slash unfilter. This here segment's dedicated to you. And all you wonderful sons of bitches that support us over at patreon.com slash unfilter. I do whine because I want to win. Fuck the EU. All right, so we do have some things to get into in the good old overtime like we always do. You know, you know I got a few things put together for you and you know how I like to start with the O'Nancy segment. So I thought I had gotten through to everybody. I figured, you know, we've been doing this for a while, 270 weeks. I've been doing the O'Nancy thing like all year at least. Feels like 10 years. You'd think somebody would have gotten the message yet. The old Democrats are causing massive problems with, well, I guess what you might call the millennials. I kind of hate that term. My millennials! Stay woke! But you know what I'm saying. The people in their in their 30s and in their 20s that can vote, maybe they have some income, they actually are paying attention to news. They don't, they don't really have much of a high opinion of uh, folks like Nancy Pelosi and the Clintons. And uh, it's not really any big secret. It didn't take some massive 4D chess playing Putin to uh, cause Donald Trump to win the election. It just simply took the Democrats running Hillary Clinton. But don't let that losing recipe stop them from using her to try to lose more votes. Clinton will be hitting the trail to help Democrats take control of Capitol Hill. Right now, the left has an advantage over Republicans heading into November. But if this strategy didn't work in 2016, will it help the Democrats retake power on the Hill right now? Helping us crunch the numbers is editor-at-large for Ballotpedia and senior fellow at the King's College, Scott Rasmussen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Always good to be with you, Jill. Let's just start. Is this what the Democrats need? (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, look, uh, 8% of voters in 2016 thought Donald Trump was not qualified to be president, but they voted for him rather than Hillary Clinton anyhow. That says a lot. That that does say a lot. So let's get into uh, some of the topics here, starting with the current House balance of power. Democrats need to win 24 seats. Do you think that they're going to be able to do that? Well, the the party out of power almost always gains seats, and that 24 seats is right at the tipping point. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last 10 midterm elections, four times the party out of power has gained 25 seats or more. So okay. long way to go till November. The key right now, there are 45 races that are considered competitive. 38 of them are held by Republicans. So Democrats have a lot of uh, opportunities. And of course, the political environment is pretty good for them. Right, right now. absolutely. Now, uh, next topic, Clinton and Pelosi. Now, as we just talked about, you know. Huh. Okay. So um, they are pretty – they're pretty well positioned. You know, as this guy is saying, they're pretty well positioned to win. Now, is this necessarily what the Democrats need or are they in fact maybe helping the Republicans? Yeah, the Republicans would love to see these two along with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren in every competitive district. Um, Hillary Clinton, when she gets into the race, she makes it a choice between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, Mm -hmm. that lesser of two evils thing that some people selected last time. Nancy Pelosi unifies the Republicans like nobody else. So if these become the faces of the Democratic Party in House races, Republicans will have a better shot. But look, Republicans are going to talk about the tax cut issue. They're going to try and connect it to a growing economy. We have a long way to go before we know who controls the House of How much do you think the recent crumbs comment is? Let's stop there. They got a lot of studio noise, don't they? So I don't know how accurate that guy's predictions are. These things are always extremely hard to predict, but it does seem like 
there is a legitimacy problem with their forward spokespeople right now. I think that's pretty unquestionable or pretty pretty obvious. The other angle when you're talking about the Clintons is the people around the Clintons. When you bring Hillary in, you tend to bring in, well, for lack of a better term, um, a lot of the swamp. And uh, nobody is swampier than old Papa John. Our democracy. Midterm elections are coming up, and it's been reported that uh, Democrats are telling your former boss, Bill Clinton, that in light of the Me Too mo- movement, they, they think he should sit it out. He should be benched, and they're not looking for him to actively campaign for them. So this is Face the Nation, and the Face the Nation host is asking John Podesta, what about all these rumors that Democrats feel that because of all of the Me Too stuff, the hashtag Me Too stuff, Bill Clinton is a liability? He's politically toxic right now, and they don't want him campaigning for them. Now, John Podesta, being a good old boy of the Clintons for a long time now, just tries to do his damn best to dodge this question. Is that true? And do you think that that's the right call? Look, I think, you know, he's... uh uh, remains, I, I think, a figure who is popular with a lot, uh, a lot of Democrats uh, across the country. And I think that uh, people are calling him, candidates are calling him and asking for advice. He thinks that people are calling him and asking for advice. It sounds like something Donald Trump would say. But whether he's going to be an active participant, I think that's not, uh, you know, really on his mind right now. I it's think not he's on the doing top of his things mind. And, and uh, people make their own judgments about whether he can be helpful in the campaign. I think he's still smarting from the most recent beating he got from Hillary. You think it's a good idea very quickly for him to sit it out? Well, you know, look, I think that that if I was advising a campaign and a candidate about what to do, I would I would sort of judge whether uh, he can be helpful. And I think some places he can be and probably some places he's more of a lightning rod. All right. John Podesta. Thank you so much, campaign chairman for Hillary Clinton. So there's John Podesta dodging questions. Uh, there's other things in there too, um, but uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you to uh, go watch the rest of it. He had a, you know, he was on there for more than just those few seconds. I want to jump to Pelosi though. This is the O Nancy segment after all. I'm Trish Regan in for Lou Dobbs tonight. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi attacking the president's highly successful middle class tax cuts at a DNC sponsored <laughs> town hall in Phoenix. I like her pause there. She's like, I'm really going to emphasize this point. The successful middle class tax cuts. Were they all, were, were they all in caps in the uh, prompter there? Is that, was that, was that what just happened? <laughs> Leader Nancy Pelosi attacking the president's highly successful middle class tax cuts at a DNC sponsored town hall in Phoenix, Arizona, calling them unpatriotic. But a heckler in the crowd uh, called her out a short while after that. Watch. If what you're doing is cutting the taxes at the high end and therefore not being allowed to invest in the future, you're doing a grave disservice to our country. Some patriot. Most people have to struggle to make, make ends meet. So at No, we're not talking about that. How much are you worth, Nancy? How much are you worth? Make ends meet. So, no, we're not talking about that. And then she gets shushed. She gets shushed (laughs) like she's in school in the library. Meet. So, no, we're not talking about that. So, in any event... So she's rumored to be worth quite a bit. Uh, she's rumored to be worth probably over $100 million. But officially, I looked it up. She's not on, – on the books, she's worth about $30 mil. Um, you know, because she makes about $130,000 a year as part of Congress. So 
It just keeps getting worse, right? I, I've called her the Marie Antoinette of the Democratic Party. This is the same problem that Hillary Clinton had, not connecting, not understanding what it's like to have to pay the rent every month, not understanding what it's like to have to pay a mortgage or put food on the table. This is part of the Democrats' very problem right now. On top of that, she can't get her talking points straight. She's out there saying, oh, it's nothing but a tax cut for the highest earners. In fact, it's not, because a lot of your highest earners are in New York, in Connecticut, in California, in New Jersey, and all of these are high-tax states. And guess what? Those high earners, they can't deduct their state and local taxes anymore, so they will pay more. I wish the Democrats would get their talking points straight. In fact, I've helped them on some of them because this tax plan isn't perfect. You know, it's funny. I just figured I'd let her just go. <laughs> she's just really passionate about it. I don't know why, but she's fired up about this. But they keep going back to decades-old rhetoric. <laughs> Joining me right now, Washington Times opinion editor and Fox Business contributor Charlie Hurt. Charlie, She's really giving it a sale there. I thought that was pretty great. I was like, well, I could say it or I'll just let her. Um there is, uh, I, I know, we'll move on. There was more Podesta stuff about the Russians and whatnot. Um, but uh, I got other Russia stuff to talk about. Let's talk about Russia stuff. Former Russia. National Security Advisor Susan Rice sent herself an unusual email just hours before Donald Trump took the oath of office on Inauguration Day. I don't think I mentioned this last week. So there is this email that's been uncovered that Susan Rice sends to herself memorializing something that I think happened six weeks prior, so that way there would be some sort of electronic record of it. Congress is now raising questions about President Obama's involvement in the investigation into alleged Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. Manila Chan is with us tonight. Story. This is interesting. Not very many people send an email to themselves. Well, I'd say, Ed, I think everybody sends an email to themselves once in a while, maybe a remember to buy milk or something like that. But in this case, this bizarre email sent to herself purports to document a previously unmentioned meeting in the Oval Office that happened on January 5th of 2017. Key players from the Obama administration were allegedly present. Now, Susan Rice's self-email sent to her .gov address was aimed at memorializing an important event and making it on the clips kind of screwed up. Graham and Grassley's inquiry this is actually a source problem. It's not your encoding. It's not uh, the our encoding. It's just a source problem from RT's cheap, shitty, bad infrastructure. Uh, it's just it's just totally. In it, Ms. Rice says that President Obama held a. Pro uh, I'll just tell you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. RT is really just a. It's such a. It's such a chicken shit operation. It's a joke that people think they're any kind of propaganda threat. You can't even watch one of their videos without seeing some obvious production issue. Anyways. So she documents in their Obama's serious conversations with the FBI about the Russia investigation. Uh, but because it was many weeks after the fact, Congress is a little suspicious about that. And they're also a little suspicious of Steve Bannon. President Trump's former right-hand man says things in the West Wing were 50 times what you've heard. And his former chief strategist is still not telling lawmakers what they want to hear, but he is talking to special counsel Robert Mueller. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harridge has new details on that tonight. Catherine? Catherine! Thank you, Brett. A source close to the matter confirms to Fox News that the former White House chief strategist was interviewed by the special counsel this week. Steve Bannon also testified behind closed doors today in front of the House Intelligence Committee. Committee members voiced frustration after Bannon invoked executive privilege on behalf of President Trump. Oh, yeah. 
get that exact There were 25 questions that the White House authorized him to answer. Uh, he answered uh, each of those. He would not uh, go beyond those questions uh, in any of his answers. And uh, that's frustrating to, uh, to those of us on the committee. So we have a further steps to take and we'll be taking those. So that was exactly what they knew was going to happen. <clears throat> Bannon uh, warned them ahead of time. The White House legal counsel told them ahead of time. They knew going into it that he'd be answering only certain sets of questions that were pre-approved by the White House and taking executive privilege on everything else, including time during the transition when Trump wasn't the executive. Fox News confirms that late last night, White House counsel Don McGahn sent a letter to Capitol Hill explaining why executive privilege covers the transition. That was not enough for the committee's ranking Democrat who claims Bannon's in contempt and his privilege claim is overly broad and unsustainable. Who might that be? Who could do we that? Oh, Adam Schiff. a situation where the White House is allowed to script self-serving and misleading questions. As about the Democrats' counter memo about alleged surveillance abuses and when it will be public, the congressman had no comment as he walked away from reporters' Brett. <laughs> and Jasmine, what are we learning from this new interview from the Dick. former White House chief of staff? Well, in the wide-ranging interview published by Vanity Fair, former White House Chief of Staff Rance Priebus describes a president who is afraid of no one, the media insanity, and the behind-the-scenes drama. Quote, take everything you've heard, Priebus said, and multiply it by 50. On FBI Director James Comey, Priebus says he knew the May 2017 firing would be a political mistake. As they watched the nonstop media coverage unfold, Bannon apparently exploded with anger. Quote, there's not an effing thing you can do to sell this, Bannon shouted at the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. <laughs> Nobody can sell this. P.T. Barnum couldn't sell this. What? Priebus also reports President Trump dressed down Attorney General Jeff Sessions, blaming his recusal for the special counsel appointment. Priebus describes a dramatic chain of events where he ran down to the West Wing parking lot, got in Sessions' black sedan, and urged him not to quit. Quote, I dragged him back up to my office from the car. The vice president, Mike Pence, and Bannon came in, and we started talking to him to the point where he decided that he would not resign right then. Justice Department today had no comment on the allegations, Brett. Okay. Captain, thank you. You're welcome. We may need some faith healers. <laughs> the uh, faith healing better get to Netanyahu because the controversy swirling around him is getting a little bit louder. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu could be facing several efficient charges over his alleged involvement in corruption cases. Israeli police say they have enough evidence to open a case against them. Well, I'm now joined live on the program by our correspondent, Anya Parampil. Anya, hello there. The police appear confident that an indictment could be brought about. What do we know about this probe? Yes, well, this announcement comes as no surprise, considering it was uh, reported just several days ago in Israeli media. Such a recommendation would come down this week from the Israeli police. Uh, for over a year now, tens of thousands of Israelis have been rallying across the country on a weekly basis, demanding the man who's now been dubbed their crime minister faced some sort of accountability after details of these corruption cases began trickling out in the media. And we and uh, a couple of people around Biebs got, uh, got picked up today. A couple of his close lieutenants, I guess you might say, got arrested. Perhaps they're circling in. Chris is doubtful. Chris is very, very skeptical. I found this clip to be just fascinating. It's not really super newsworthy, but it's... Well, I mean, it's a surprising use for jet fuel. Veterans who served in the Middle East, along with some private contractors, are complaining of breathing problems associated with large areas of burning garbage. 
Correspondent Will Carr tonight on a little known issue causing big problems for a lot of people. Started having some periodic wheezing um, and wasn't really sure where that was coming from. Veronica Landry worked as a private contractor on Mosul Air Force Base for a year at the height of the Iraq War. Her employer, Kellogg Brown and Root, sent Landry to Mosul to work as a recreational and morale specialist. During that time, Landry and members of the military say they lived directly next to a massive burn pit, a dump of sorts where the military and private contractors allegedly set various materials from garbage to ammunition on fire with jet fuel. Yeah, I don't I don't think that little uh, that little plastic or paper mask is going to uh, screen out fumes from jet fuel. That seems really bad. Also, like super expensive. You're in the land of oil and you're tossing jet fuel onto a fire. I'm not I'm not even the least bit surprised. I'm just disappointed. It's so typical. It's so – it's such a huge fucking waste of money because you know what's not cheap? Fucking jet fuel's not cheap. Various materials from garbage to ammunition on fire with jet fuel. I was medically returned home for PTSD at the time. I did notice that I could not smell anymore. And then about twice a year, I started getting bronchitis episodes that were really bad. Landry attributes her severe medical issues to the fact that she breathed in toxic smoke on a daily basis. Were there concerns that there was really no supervision over the pits? There was an active duty major who uh, had a background in the health field, and he had questioned it. But I don't know that anything uh, ever came of that. More than 60,000 people now allege that they have medical illnesses, including cancer, severe respiratory diseases, and chronic pain after being exposed to burn pits in both Iraq and Afghanistan. I, just, and I couldn't understand why this was happening to me. I'd never smoked in my life, so I didn't know why my lungs had these issues. But Landry's health issues were only half the problem. When many private contractors returned home, they found out insurance companies rejected their medical claims. Landry says AIG refused to cover her illnesses because she could not definitively prove they were linked to the burn pits. This is great for inflammation. Landry has been battling to get covered for several years. Fed up, she finally asked the Department of Labor to intervene, and this January, a judge ruled in her favor, saying her former employer and insurance company have to foot the bills for her past and future medical expenses. AIG did not respond to our request for comment. Kellogg, Brown, and Root maintains it operated burn pits safely and effectively at the direction of the U.S. military. Oh, this is almost like a full-time job, just keeping my health. This is an issue that's not only impacting private contractors, but veterans as well. To help the VA's created a burn pit registry, but some veterans tell us it's too little, too late. Brett. Will Carr in Denver. Will, thanks. Ooh, ooh, that's, uh, that's a hell of a story, huh? Jet fuel. <laughs> you see Nate there in the uh, Discord room just posted a picture. Of course, those of you who are not watching the video version obviously are not seeing this, but he just posted a picture of um, what appears to be uh, Trump holding a a note that reminds him of what to say. Um, they and it, it's it's uh, it's it's on the White House stationery. And number one is what would you most want me to know about your experience? Number two, what can we do to help you feel safe? Number three, do you see someone or something something affected? It was covered up by his hand. Um, Oh, interesting. He has 45 embroidered on his shirt uh, cuff there. Uh, Number four, resource ideas. And number five, I hear you. 
This must have been during his uh, his listening session. Huh. Well, Trump's personal note reminds him to say, I hear you. <laughs> you know what? That means they're honing in on what he lacks. So I suppose that's a good sign <laughs> in a way. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's keep going on with the clips. Um I just don't know where to go after that clip, really. So let's let's uh, let's play one more Russia clip to make me feel better. Russia is responding to the Mueller investigation's indictments of 13 Russian nationals. Russia. Kremlin claims there is no proof that Moscow interfered in the 2016 U.S. elections. During a call with journalists, a spokesman denied there is any evidence the Russian government is involved in the meddling, pointing to the fact that Russian citizens were targeted in the indictment. CNN senior international correspondent Matthew Chance joins me now live from St. Petersburg. Matthew, you are outside this Russian troll farm that's named specifically in this indictment. What do we know about this company and the man who's behind it financially? Yeah, well, it's called the Internet Research Agency. That's its formal title. We all, of course, know it as the Russian Troll Farm or Troll, troll farm. Uh, Factory. Factory. It's inside that building there where you can see there are lights still on um, here in St. Petersburg uh, that this U.S. indictment said that Russian nationals, some of whom have now been indicted, um, posed as American citizens. They organised uh, rallies on the streets of the United States on very controversial divisive political issues. They bought political adverts that supported one candidate over the other in the election campaign. So so basically, this is the place, this is the office in which that atmosphere of chaos was stoked uh, from, the, from the Russian side. And that's why 13 Russian individuals, uh, uh, including the, the financial benefactor, the person who bankrolls uh, that organization have now been indicted in the United States. His name, his name is Yevgeny uh, Priroshkin, um, and uh, he is a uh, figure who is very close to Vladimir Putin. Um, he is uh, dubbed Putin chef because he's got a very lucrative uh, catering contract uh, with the Kremlin, but he's also got his fingers in all sorts of other foreign policy pies in this country as well. He's linked with the private military contractors called Wagner, who operate in Ukraine and in Syria as well. And, of course, there's this troll farm link as well where, you know, this indictment says that basically he's the person who bankrolls it, Jim. Of course. Of course. As he says, of course. Um, you know, you got to make sure you're being careful when you get on YouTube and you run your mouth because if you're uh, saying the wrong thing these days, you'll either get pulled down for hate speech or get an old knock at the door by the Poe. A fugitive from Louisiana suspected of making threats against Louisiana State University is in a King County jail tonight. That woman was arrested in Seattle on a bus bound for Spokane. And Congress Evans' Deborah Horn is live at the jail tonight. Deborah, these threats were posted on YouTube. And because of these threats, Dave, people at Louisiana State University campus were frightened. In fact, Louisiana police had departments across the country looking for this woman. Tonight, she is here in the King County Jail. Good afternoon, Ms. Sutherland. 36-year-old Amanda Charlene Sutherland walked quietly into the King County courtroom. Her appearance here in marked contrast to her demeanor on the scores of YouTube videos she has posted. You guys threw me in a concentration camp. 
where you tortured me for 15 months. Indeed, Sutherland served 15 months in a Louisiana jail for posting these threats. We looked through several of them. Most are rambling attacks on those she feels have wronged her, including professors at Louisiana State University in Shreveport and Louisiana law enforcement. You also kidnapped my children and gang-shocked my house! Okay, Alexander, so I get your house and whatever children you have, I get those. Her posts led LSU to beef up campus security and students there were on edge. I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect. Ma'am, so you may not want to say very much right now. Sutherland tried several times to speak to King County District Court Judge Susan Mahoney. The judge initially refused to let her speak, but then she relented. Yes, ma'am, briefly. And when she did, Sutherland accused the court of a Conducting her, and then Sutherland asked for this. Sanctuary freedom from religious persecution, which is what I've committed no crime ever. There's no evidence, no grounds for any crime I've ever committed, ever. Something else unusual happened in court today. The King County Deputy Prosecutor asked for bail to be set at $200,000, but the judge did something I have rarely seen. She said the bail wasn't high enough based on the warrant she got from Louisiana, so she set bail at $500,000. Sutherland is expected back here in court on Thursday. Reporting live in Seattle, Deborah Horn, Cairo 7 News. It's a weird local story for you. <clears throat> Strange one, huh? I'm not really sure what to make of any of that stuff half the time. We do have some good news we could cover. You want, you want to talk a little good news? Would you like that? Uh, we have Schumer talking smart. Well, President Trump's approval has plenty of room for improvement, but he's entering the second year of his term on an upswing. At the same time, Democrats are hoping to pick up seats and flip the House in the 2018 midterms. You cannot just run against, you cannot just run against Donald Trump. And it is the job of we Democrats. This is from Monday to put together a strong, cohesive, economic group of proposals aimed at the middle class and those struggling to get there. Talk with Fox News Politics editor and editor... That's all the part I really wanted you to hear, is that I think Schumer is aware from a strategic standpoint that they got to be a little smarter. Remember we talked about that shooting at the NSA last week? Uh, I got an update about that in Supporters Sync if you'd like to go get that. It's kind of just uh, not much there, though. Uh, and here is the, uh, st- the clip about immigration. Well, a bipartisan group of senators have agreed to an immigration plan and a framework plan by the self-proclaimed Common Sense Caucus that would carry out President Trump's call to grant legal status to 1.8 million young immigrants. $25 billion would go to the Southern Board of Security construction through 2027. The bill would curb family-based immigration, but not to the extent the president wanted. Also, the diversity visa lottery program would remain despite Trump's calls to eliminate it. Meanwhile, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, talking about taxes, says the president's tax plan described it as crumbs to the middle-class workers of America. Republican Congressman Todd Rokita of Indiana has now introduced the Crumbs Act. Yeah, they're a bunch of kids, aren't they? <laughs> oh, my God, can you believe that? Yes, you can, can't you? You can believe that. All right, uh, warning for you dog lovers out there. I wasn't going to play this when I thought, you know, there's a chance there's somebody in the audience with a dog that feeds them this food 
You're not going to believe what they found in the food. You may have heard this already. It's getting a lot of coverage right now. Smuckers is officially recalling four dog food brands after a drug used to euthanize animals was found in some canned food. What? We first told you about the issue last week what? after an independent lab found the drug pentobarbital in multiple samples of gravy train wet dog food. And since then, the FDA issued a warning saying low levels of the drug were discovered. The voluntary recall includes specific shipments of gravy train, kibbles and bits, Old Roy and Skippy canned dog food. We spoke with a Washington veterinarian who says concerns are low. You know, don't feed it if that's what you have at home. And if you um, are noticing anything funny about your pet, definitely take them to the veterinarian. Um, But um, they don't think it's at any levels that could harm them. Dr. Farnsworth says some symptoms to watch out for include your pet not eating well, dizzy or vomiting. J.M. Smucker released a statement saying the contamination was tracked to a single supplier at one manufacturing facility. Customers who already purchased the products can call the company for a refund or replacement product. How does euthanasia drugs slip into a dog food, though? That I don't understand. Does anybody know that? Anybody in the dog food industry? Give me some insights on that one. I just don't – I just don't even. I can't even with that. I can't even with that. Apparently apparently, I wanted to end this on a Nancy Pelosi clip. That doesn't sound like me. Yeah. Bipartisan legislation to pass the – Oh, boy. This is difficult. King oh, boy. This is no good. To strengthen background checks. Oh, oh no. We'll be continuing to meet on this subject to try to uh, uh, respond. But we shouldn't be responding. We should be preventing. We should be anticipating and – have oh, common man. sense approaches to prevent gun violence. We have bipartisan support for legislation. Oh, man. Who of us in here is more important, whose political survival is more important than that? Nobody's. Nobody's. Farmers and rural America cuts 15% from the USDA, the United States Department of Education. I gotta go. I can't take any more. She's breaking me. Cuts it. $214 billion. I, I can't even. Food stamps. President's going to give him a box of processed food. Unlocks the economic potential of rural communities and small businesses, and turbo turbo charges the economy. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna have to leave it right there. I just I don't know. (laughs) I can't even respond to that. Thank you for joining us. Go turbocharge our show. Patreon.com/slash unfilter. See you next week.